0: Got a lot that I would love to share with you, um, but I think what I'm most excited about is the fact that um, a few weeks ago I was in uh, the mountains up in Colorado and just had a marvelous time with the Lord. And he really began to renew some promises, specifically about here. And I just I knew it's like, wow, you want me to share that? And then Rob called. We did, in just minutes And said hey Would, 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 would you fill in for me I went yes In fact I will <laughs> And Some of it is going to be a little of, a, of our Particular story about how God Moved us here And it wasn't through some fun wonderful stuff You know some of it was real hard and painful But How many of you know that God redeems tough stuff Yeah and that um, when life kind of knocks you down, God has a way of being able to pick you up and make it much better. Not that I like getting knocked down, but I do like when he picks me up. And I had such an, I had such an amazing week um, when I was there. I mean, just, it's as if I was just by myself. I was up at 10,000 feet. It's, it's bizarre because you really can't sleep really well, so you have like insomnia. So me and Jesus just had a ton of time. <laughs> And on my flight home, there was a song that uh, I had had heard, and it just, it made me weep. So I'm sitting on the plane. I have this on repeat, and it's packed. I mean, it's a two-hour delay flight. We're on a jumbo jet. There's got about 500 people in there, and I'm just weeping. The stewardess is concerned about me the lady next to me is wanting to know if I'm okay. And it's like, I am totally okay. I am just having the, the best time with the Lord because it's like he's taken things that have been buried inside me for a long time. And he just is like bringing hope back. And I'm just going like, you gotta be kidding. And the whole time I was there on the plane, I just, I finally just put my uh, coat over my head. Because then I figured both people wouldn't be upset about me. I just kind of went. And I just, I went my way back from Denver to, to LAX. And it just, it was a marvelous time. And I just went, God, you are so, so good. And I had this picture the entire time of this building. And the rain just falling. And I was like, well, it hadn't rained in a long time, Lord. <laughs> And it it was a sense of him coming and bringing a real sense of refreshing. And then I was away this last week, and I was driving back on um, Friday night. And I had looked at the the weather, and I hadn't expected that, you know, it was sun all the whole time. And I was kind of bummed because I was like, well, Lord, but the the vision you gave me is it was going to rain. And as I, I came down from Magic Mountain, all of a sudden, it's like lightning was just all over L.A. And I was, I got excited. I was, I'm goofy like that, but I just kind of well, this is for me. You know, so I don't know if you enjoyed it. I don't know if it was a help or not or hindrance, but for me, this was like cool. And it just started to rain. And I was trailing our boat back, you know, and it's like, I just, I pulled into here. and I just sat. And I cried. I said, God, you're awesome. Thank you for this tangible little encouragement in the midst of what well, has been some yucky stuff in our, our country, yeah? It's not like, it's not been real awesome. So if you have your Bible, look at Isaiah 59. Rob, I hope I'm not stealing your thunder. I don't, I don't think you were planning to preach on this. But I'm going to read through Isaiah 59 on my way to Isaiah 60, which is my absolute favorite. But I want to give you some context, and I think you're going to be shocked at how perhaps relevant this is exactly to where we are. Um, Verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that he cannot save. Neither is his ear so dull that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken falsehood, your tongue mutters wickedness. No one sues righteously. I did not think that was in the Bible. Like, I'm going, like, you can sue righteously? But no one sues righteously, and no one pleads honestly. Honestly. They trust in confusion and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. And I'm wondering if God and Isaiah were watching the news, in the Kavanaugh hearings and all this other stuff. Skip ahead to verse 7. Their feet run to evil and they hasten to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Devastation and destruction are their highways. They do not know the way of peace. Remember that one. They do not know the way of peace and there is no justice in their tracks. They've made their paths crooked. Whoever treads on them does not know peace. Therefore, justice is far from us and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light, but behold darkness for brightness, but we walk in gloom. We grope along the wall like blind men. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at midday as in twilight among those who are vigorous. We're like dead men. All of us growl like bears and moan sadly like doves. We hope for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before thee. And our sins testify against us. And our transgressions are with us. And we know our iniquities. Transgressions and denying the Lord. And our turning away from God. Speaking oppression and revolt. Conceiving in and uttering from the heart lying words and justice has turned back and righteousness stands far away for the truth has stumbled in the street and uprightness cannot enter verse 15 yes truth is lacking and he who turns aside from evil makes himself a prey now the Lord saw and it was displeasing in his sight that there was no justice He saw that there was no man and was astonished that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought salvation and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness like a breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself with zeal as a mantle. According to their deeds, so he will repay. Wrath to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies and to the coastlands, he will make a recompense. So they will fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising sun. For he will come like a rushing stream or flood, which the wind of the Lord drives. And the Redeemer will come to Zion and those who turn from transgression and Jacob declares the Lord. And this is an awesome promise right here. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit which is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth nor from the mouth of your offspring nor from the mouth of your offspring's offspring, says the Lord, from now and forever. If you ever thought that Jesus was done speaking... I'm sorry, this is a refutation that God has never stopped communicating with us. You know, to the folks that think that the gifts of the Spirit are gone, it's like, well, God bless you, but no. I'm sorry, it's impossible to have a loving relationship without communication. And if anything, we're supposed to be marked by a people of His presence. We're not more special in the earth than anything else. But if there's one thing that I absolutely treasure beyond belief is the fact that God has so desired to cleanse this heart and make it his home. And he dwells with us. It is not possible to be a born again believer and not know it. God put us. He put himself inside us so that we could never lose him. I love that. I lose a lot of things. Just ask my family. It's like I'm looking for lost things. I got little beepers on them now. I think God's got a beeper on me. And then Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 5. Arise, shine. This is the context. In light of all of that. There's a lot of darkness going on there. And God's going like, is there anybody, anybody interceding? And when he was surprised, he didn't find a man. He, I'm going to do this. That's how committed God is to bringing about a restoration of things that are wrong. And then he says, arise, shine for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear where? On you. And nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes round about and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons will come from afar. Your daughters will be carried in their arms. Then you will see and be radiant and your heart will thrill and rejoice because the abundance of the sea will be turned to you and the wealth of the nations will come to you. I've, I've hungered for revival for a long, long time. I'm the guy that's been at all those meetings. I've done many, many 40-day fasts, which is why my metabolism is weird. What I love so much about all of this Is it's not so much God Coming in some big Gully washer to do It's he's going to do a work In us So that the world that Doesn't see has something to See And I don't know that that, that's That's something I've got to tarry For forever I think that's something I've got To welcome At the beginning of Isaiah 59, it says, you know, our iniquities, our sin has separated us from God. God hadn't left us, but it's as if our sin obscures our capacity to see. And you know, the pe- people will say, well, you know, God's so holy, you can't look upon sin. It's like, well, I'm sorry. And then, then he couldn't do anything here on planet Earth. God has not bothered with our sin It's our sin that blinds us. It's why we grope like blind men looking for the wall. It separates us. And if we understood judgment, I'd ask for it every single day. It'd be the first thing I do in the morning is, hey, God, search me, try me, see if there be any wicked way in me. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit within me cast me not away from your presence and it's like I just think we've got to be a people where it's like God does not force himself upon us we have to welcome that and anybody prayed for judgment lately no I mean anyone think that yes I would like to have some judgment today I don't. I think we're frightened of that I think we've been given ideas of what it is That are really not in keeping with God's heart Because if we understood judgment It's a lot like a building specter Coming on inspection day And making some evaluations and decisions about Is this in shape or not They're very acquainted with all this In order to make this a, a home They had to meet a whole bunch of standards and codes and and all the stuff they're doing. You know, Rob would take me in here and we'd be marching around when it's just a bunch of sand and dirt. And it was just fascinating to watch this come into being. Two weeks ago when he sort of shared the the story of just how God moved them into Dos Vientos in this area and, and this became our community's new home. I was touched by that. I was touched by God sending a man and the kind of heart that he is. There's a reason. I have been a pastor. I have been run over by the religious bus. I have been unceremoniously bounced out unkindly. So when we look at the Kavanaugh hearings and stuff like that, it was really bizarre for me. Because I was watching someone Who I think is a good man And man it, it started to just affect me Profoundly emotionally I felt like he's being wrongly accused I felt, I felt really bad For the lady going like Something happened I, 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 You know it's like I'm not wanting To pick sides but I'm going What is truth Where is truth In our nation truth has stumbled In the street we don't know what's true anymore. We don't know who to believe. I hardly believe anybody. You know, well, it's on the internet. Well, I guarantee you that's false then. <laughs> I Google myself and I'm horrified at what I learned about me. Like, I am not that. I didn't do that. you just going like, what the heck? And so it was... It was really hard watching that. And I was just going like, what's going on here? Lord, what's happening in our nation? And what's really fascinating about the book of Isaiah, and I've been thrilled that Rob's been in it the entire time, is that in Isaiah 1, when a nation has gone into, in essence, it's turned away from the Lord. It's in decline. It's struggling. God has a remedy for that nation. And the very first thing that he says, so Isaiah verse, uh, chapter 1, verse eighteen, twenty, 20, he, he sort of calls Isaiah to the heavenly bench. He says, come, let us reason together. It's like he's the judge of all the earth, and he's going like, hey, um, son. And what he, what he suggests is that the nation restore righteous judges as they had at first. And whether or not you like Trump, whether or not you like... I don't, I don't care what side of the divide you're on. The one thing I do believe that's happening is God is seeking to restore righteous judges in our nation. If you look at the history of the courts, all the major things that have taken us away from the fidelity of this nation being founded in hot pursuit of God... Those haven't happened through laws that have been legislated. Those have been verdicts and judgments that have come from the courts. It has been unrighteous judges that decided to make this a secular nation. It never was. And there's some frightening verses in the Bible that I wrestle with. I go like, God, those scare me. Ezekiel 14 there's, there's a verse in there that basically says, when a nation, when a country has been unfaithful to God, even if Noah, Job, and Daniel were there, they would not be able to save anyone but themselves. And I'm sitting there going, like, Noah, Daniel, Job, we're not talking about Israel, I can't just apply that to God's unique relationship to Israel. He says, if any country is unfaithful to me, I'm going like, wow. And then in the New Testament, Jesus is doing miracles, and he says, woe to you if the miracles had been done here, or if they'd done in Bethsaida Chorazin. They would have repented. There is accountability for cities there's accountability for nations. I am the love guy. I am the super chat guy. I, I, I am pickled in the love of Jesus, the goodness of God. But I'm also the editor of the Founder's Bible. Most people can't put those two in the same sentence. They think I'm schizophrenic. And I'm going like, no. God has righteous standards and he has a relationship with us. He's the one that has established the nations and the boundaries. He's the father of the, all of that. And we do have an accountability, and our nation is being torn apart at the seams. And it is in an absolute culture war where it's like there's a lot of people who say, you know what? I don't want, I don't want God in the equation. I don't want those judges because, you know what? We want to have our choice. I want to be able to have abortion. And I just end up going like, is all of the madness a fear of that? Because that was never, that's not in the Constitution. There is no constitutional right for that. There's a constitutional right for life. And it protects the unique signature DNA God created life. In the womb. It's not the same as the mom who's housing it. She has every choice in the world, but not that life. And I don't want to make light of anything. And I have no idea where everyone is on all these things. But I I do want to say God has a say. Our culture is trying to say, "Well, it's your truth and my truth." And I'm going like, "There is no your truth and my truth. There's either truth or there's error. There's right and there's wrong. Well, oh, no, no, no. It's not fluid. I mean, we're going to throw science out the door, and it's like, "Well, your plumbing doesn't matter anymore. You can be whatever you want." And I'm going like, "No. You can't. That's confusion and chaos. That's darkness. That's deep darkness. What's God's remedy? He's going to restore some righteous plumb lines, but then he's looking for some people who just might be available for God to do something extraordinary in them that he might reveal himself through them to a world that seems to be blind and groping, looking for the wall. And I just want to encourage you. I think God's going to do something extraordinary in our day. I used to be this crazy little, you know, firebrand that I was going to be the matchstick. You know, I'm going to light the fires of revival. I'm going to do it. Well, I think God let me just, you know, burn myself out. But I'm still hungry, I'm still thirsty. I know there's far more. I really struggle when I'm reading the scriptures going like, okay, so how come that's not happening? (laughs) If you have your Bible, turn to John uh, 16. This is the first time using the clicker, okay? right. If I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if you do not go away, the helper shall not come to you. But if, if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Those three things, those three things, part of your average, average everyday vocabulary. Talk about sin a lot. Talk about righteousness a lot. Pray for judgment every day. we're missing out on some fundamental things that are the act of the holy spirit to come in our midst skip ahead a couple of verses i have many more things to say to you but you cannot bear them now but when he the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall take of mine and shall disclose it to you. If you go back to Isaiah 59 and that promise about God not stopping to speak, that what was the spirit that was on him, he was going to make sure was upon us and that he was going to disclose all that that's almost the exact same context of describing the work of the Holy Spirit from Isaiah 59 to John 16 where you're going like he's going to take what is of Jesus's and disclose it to us New Living Translation says he will reveal to you the future that's not supposed to be some crazy bizarre thing That's supposed to be something that's the inheritance for each and every one of us. He said, I don't call you slaves, but I call you friends. For a slave doesn't know what his master is doing, but I am revealing to you what it is I'm doing. We're supposed to be in sync with that. That's not the pastor's job, that's the inheritance of sheep. We're each supposed to know his voice. That's not bizarre Christianity. That that's normal. And so I just wanted to lay that as a foundation and then I'm gonna tell you some stories. And I'm to tell as many of you of them as I can because they're good. But I wanna tell you one of the things that when I first came out to California, way back in nineteen eighty-eight. This is the first time I ever felt like I was supposed to be somewhere. I ended up as a little student at Pepperdine. I could have gone anywhere. Pepperdine, I didn't take seriously. looked like Club Med. They had equestrian as a major. Horse riding, really? It looked like a beach school. This is the first time I felt like I was supposed to be somewhere. And I just said, okay, I'm here. And it was okay, it wasn't amazing It was a little bit of a spiritual desert The the Church of Christ, which I thought Aren't they all? Was unique and specific And they spent a whole bunch of time convincing me That because I had not been baptized by them I wasn't a believer I'm going like, excuse me? Me and Jesus actually talk And he didn't agree with you Which really didn't help me much (laughs) And I was enough argumentative That I'm going like, I don't like you Okay, so I, I fought with you know, the, the powers that be, which wasn't helpful. But I was, I was ready to go be a film guy, and I studied all of it, and then I graduated time of the writer's strike, and it just was dead done. I couldn't even serve anyone coffee. And so my life took a whole circuitous route. But I ended up feeling like God had called me to help plant a church in Malibu, unreached Malibu and we started a little we were in a, a part of a little intercessory prayer group for a number of years and God birthed a church and frankly it was it was astounding we saw about 2 3000 people come to the lord in a short span of 2 years i could get up after worship and because the presence of god was so thick i just give an altar call right then. Scores of hands would come up. People would walk in to our little rented, little elementary school building, and they would just start to weep. Because I was the senior pack mule, not the senior pastor, I was always there. I was the first one there, last one to leave. And God dwelt in our midst. That was normal. That was some of the most extraordinary high water mark of corporate experience of God. And it wasn't the building we were in. It was the community that we had become. We were the dwelling place. And wherever we were, the spirit of God manifestly was present. A felt reality. Most all of our neighbors got saved. Because at some point they came along, and it wasn't a sermon that was preached. It was a presence that was felt. And it, it was extraordinary. But then we got seduced by our own success. And people started taking liberties. And things behind the curtain that you should never see were going on. And I'm this little naive little guy going like, we wear the white hats, right? And I then ended up having to confront a bunch of what was wrong. And I even had a a precious man, one of the founding guys of Promise Keepers, was the guy that called me into ministry. The Lord spoke to him. And told him all the stuff that I was having to deal with and was being revealed, all the all stuff that was wrong. And he called me one night and said, Brad, the Lord's told me what's going on. You haven't. He did, and he asked me to come, and he flew out. And then he came and confronted the powers that be. And he said, I can be like Nathan to David. Or I can come be like Samuel to Saul Your choice And I thought we were going to have a solution I thought it was going to be a fix It's like there was a lot that was wrong That needed to be right And there was the simple thing Humble yourself and repent And it'll God can heal and cleanse This is not a gathering of perfect people there's not a show going on. The, thing that, the only reason I'm actually in church, in sitting here, wanting to actually be at a Sunday gathering, because I've been AWOL for decades, is the genuineness of the guy that stands up here. The first time Rob and I sat down and, and met, he unveiled his whole life and store for five hours we talked. He told me stuff that I'm just going like, dude, you should not tell me that. <laughs> there was no guile in him, no pretense. I sat there and had my trust restored. I don't like a lot of pastors. I feel bad for them. You have no idea what a yucky job it really is and how hard and i'm sympathetic but we are supposed to be the ones that do right and humble ourselves and i am so thrilled that the man leading this place is as transparent as honest as open with his failures as as he is with his desires and dreams and we have become absolute best friends I laugh with him more than anybody else. We hang out, and I, I, I think I'm a wonderful gift to him as he is a gift to me because the truth is, is we, we, we get it. Whenever there's something wrong, he calls and tells me what's going on. And I just go like, extraordinary. God, you can do something with a guy like that. And so in, in, in the midst of watching what I had spent a lifetime building, in a matter of time, it all started to crumble. There was one saving grace of a prophetic word that had really impacted me early on and, and stepping into the ministry. And it was a word from back in the uh, mid, late 1980s. And, I, and I'd, I'd like to share some of it with you It's entitled the two winds I doubt you know Anything about it But This is the word So the spirit of God would say to you That the wind of the Holy Spirit is blowing Through the land the church However is incapable of fully Recognizing this wind Just as your nation has given Names to the hurricane so I've put my Name on this wind the wind Is named holiness Holiness unto the Lord because of a lack of understanding some of my people will try to find shelter from that wind but in doing so they shall miss my work for this wind has been sent to blow through every institution that has been raised in my name those institutes those institutions that have substituted their name for mine they shall fall by the impact of that wind it will fall like cardboard shacks in a gale ministries that have not walked in uprightness before me shall be broken and fall. For this reason, many will be tempted to brand this work as a work of Satan. But do not be misled. This is my wind. I cannot tolerate my church in its presence form, nor will I. Ministries and organizations will shake and fall in the face of this wind. Even though some will seek to hide from this wind, they shall not escape. It shall blow against your lives. And everything around you will appear to be crumbling, and so it shall. But never forget, this is my wind, says the Lord. With tornado force, it will come and appear to leave devastation. But the word of the Lord comes and says, Turn your face into the wind and let it blow. For only that which is not of me shall be devastated." You must see this as necessary. Be not dismayed, for after this my wind shall blow again. Have you not read how my breath blew on the valley of dry bones? Show, so I shall breathe on you. The wind that will come will be equal in force as the first wind. The wind too will have a name. And it shall be called the kingdom of God. It shall bring my government and order. Along with that it shall bring my power. The supernatural shall come in that wind. And the world will laugh at you. Because of the devastation of the first wind. But they will laugh no more. For this wind will come with force and power. That will produce the miraculous among my people. And the fear of God shall fall upon the nation. My people will be willing in the day of my power says the Lord. And my first one that is upon you now, I will blow out pride, lust, greed, competition, and jealousy. And you will feel devastated. But haven't you read, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So out of your poverty of spirit, I will establish my kingdom. Have you not read the kingdom is in the Holy Spirit? So by my spirit, my kingdom will be established and made manifest. Manifest. Know this, there are those who will seek to hide from this present wind and they will try to flow with the second wind, but again, they will be blown away by it. Only those who have turned their face into the present wind will be allowed to be propelled by the second wind. You have longed for revival and a return of the miraculous and the supernatural. You and your generation shall see it, but it shall only come by my process, says the Lord. The church in this nation cannot contain my power in its present form. But as it turns to the wind, holiness unto the Lord. It shall be purged and changed to contain my glory. This, judge, this is judgment that has begun with the house of God. But this is not the end. When the second wind has come and brought with it my harvest, then the end shall come. I was really profoundly impacted by that. And when all of a sudden the devastation of everything I'd spent half my life building. Just started to come apart at the seams. That was about as tough as it could possibly be. And you're just going like God this is all wrong. It felt like a work of Satan. Satan. But this was the reminder and the encouragement of just stay the course. He said, get clear of the blast zone. Just don't leave. And we had lived in Calabasas. And then all of a sudden the landlord said, well, we're moving back in. You guys are out. And so there was no room at the inn. And you're going like, what do we do? So on Christmas, we're taking a bike ride at the Sycamore Canyon. And so we go up there by Boney and we take a bike ride down to the beach. I'd never been up here before. It was just being built. And I was going like, wow, this is beautiful. And as we were riding, I just went, gosh, Lord, I could so see myself living here. And it wasn't, gee, I'd like a big house. It was, wow, this is so beautiful. God, you've put things in me. Everything's crumbling. I don't know what we're supposed to do. Things are wrong. I don't know how it's going to turn out. But I said, I'd love to, I'd love, if you're listening, I'd love to live here. And I could, I could see myself writing books. And I sort of just laid that out as a wish, knowing, of course, that was silly and stupid. Lo and behold, we then were bounced out of our our place we were living. And we had no place to go. And you check around L.A. This was after a couple of fires had gone through, and it's like there wasn't a, We could live in Lancaster. I'm not sure I could afford it either. But on a whim, we decided to come and just check out some of the the, the tiny things that were being built right over there. One of the first neighborhoods. We sat down with the builder and we looked and we kind of went, "Oh wow!" There were five things that my wife had on her dream list of one day, gosh, could we ever. And we saw one that fit all five. And we sat down with the builder. We just got kind of like, well, let's just ask. You know, it's ridiculous, but we're here. And we talked with him. And what was amazing is when he asked me who I was and what I did, and I told him, he lit up. His daughter was a part of the ministry we had led. She'd been delivered off drugs she was dear suicidal and her life was totally changed turned around and he looked at me and said thank you and he said I've got the perfect place for you they pointed out the house the people that were going to buy it had not gone through escrow in time and he kicked them out put us in and I didn't have any money and he said um well, what could you do? As 2,000? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Sure. I, that, they qualified it. They gave us a direct to us load. And they moved us in here, 4680 Calle Norte. And my buddy called. And he said, God has given you a place to dwell. He's moved you into a pleasant pasture. And he said, your address is a word from him. Psalm 46, verses 8 to 10. Be still and know that I am God. It's like out of the desolations and the devastation, this was our resting place. And I just sat there stunned. And you're just going like, this is crazy. And so as the storm blew and as our lives were wrecked and I didn't have a single dime, I went from having a wonderful secure paycheck to nothing. I installed most of the irrigation around here in a lot of places because I had to do it in my own backyard and I had a new job, new way of life and We had a restoration of our family because ministry nearly destroyed it. And it's like God did something fantastic. But I didn't want to go anywhere. We're not going to darken the door of a church and if I did, it'd be scandalous anyways. But we sat here and that was almost 18 years ago. When I had zero faith to believe for anything, I had a five-year-old little boy And this was all dirt, but he had a dream of the yellow army. And he saw the clouds part, and he saw all these dump trucks backing up, and said, Dad, they're just full of money and stuff. And they're just dumping things out. And I'd go like, gee, that's neat. (laughs) I hope one of them opens up over us. (laughs) but we would look at this dirt field and he would say that's that god's doing something my son would have his little bedroom next to my office and i think we would alternate when he would go to bed either he's he listened to me pray or i'm listening to him and some of the prayers that he prayed were just absolutely just draw you to tears amazing and then all of a sudden the yellow army shows up. And they start moving all the earth and they start building this place. And it was kinda of wild that they, you know, put a why in here. And it's it's got a bunch of brouhaha with the, the community that, oh, you know, you got the why here, but you know and it's like, well, you know, the why doesn't know what it's for anymore. It it's lost its why. And I think God has given it to a community that knows why and I'm jazzed for that and I I look at all of that and it's what was so bizarre is when I finally wrote that check to the builder I said do you you mind me asking I said what does Dos Vientos mean yeah I was stupid so I didn't know (laughs) it's it's an obvious one the two wins I just went no fooling How does that happen? And I went, wow, God. I think you have something going on here. And when Rob told his story about the timing, the year I got bounced out of where I was at is the year that God called him here. Exact same timing. He finally was given a home uh, in Dos Vientos, they, they 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 were had to move out of the and it was a bummer for them. They had to move out of the house that they're in, and it's like I knew the whole process and all. that totally sucks. But then he called me. And said, oh, Brad, God's given us a house. And here's the bizarre thing: is the pastor that had been the Saul that hunted me and has sought to destroy my life. When we moved here, the bizarre thing is he moved into Dos Vientos. And I'm going like, you kidding? Of all the places in in Southern California, you got to come into my neighborhood? (laughs) Really? And and I didn't know where. I I wasn't going. I didn't want to run into him. And finally, one night, the Lord gave me a dream, and He said, "I want you to go see Him." And I'd had this impression of Jesus up on the hill, weeping over the city. And the stay is you've missed your day of visitation if you'd only known the things that would make for peace. And I'm going, like, yeah, but God, I, I'm the offended party. Could you talk to the offender? Shouldn't he be the one? And, and as bizarre as is he showed me the house in the dream. And I'm going, like, really? Show up just unannounced? I don't think they want to see me. I went. He was dying. As unannounced, his wife was pale as a ghost when she opened the door. Didn't know what to say, but they they welcomed me in. And God, I knew God had given me a gift to give him, which is just to let him know, I forgive you. It's hard to forgive someone when they're not asking and they're not repenting. You're almost going like, you're gonna be offended if I say this and I don't really wanna go through this. I've tried to be healed from this but God wanted to restore peace. And we had a sweet time and I think he really was. I think in that moment he was very convicted and it's like he wanted to know that somehow he hadn't destroyed me. I told him no. No. You haven't destroyed me. We used to spend time weeping in the carpet together, driving the city together. I knew he knows the Lord. He just got confused. And so I was able to forgive my enemy. Really bizarre thing is Rob lives in the same house as that guy. And when he told me I got a house in Dos Vientos, and it's in this little part, I just went, no. (laughs) You got to be kidding. And I didn't know if I liked it. But when I went and, you know, when they're just moving in, I was, come see. So I came, we walked, and he doesn't know this. When I left, I went in my car, and I just wept. The Lord said, "The house of your enemy has become the house of your friend." And then, when this place happened, and I got my little five-year-old son dreaming about, "Oh, God's got something planned," I just wanted to. Park that for you, with a sense of hope that that's 17, 18 years of a journey. When you think it all goes south, God's been saying to me, "I've been at work ever since. What happened to Malva was not his plan wasn't suppo- didn't have to turn out that way. We got ref- Malibu Vineyard refugees all over Southern California that are just aching because they've never again encountered that sense of God's dwelling presence. And two weeks ago, when I sat here and I'm listening to Rob give some of the dates and tie things together, the Lord said, "You're home." <laughs> Whew. So I just want to invite you, I'm a little over, but Michael, can you come up? I I gave you no heads up, I'm sorry, brother. But I know you got the Holy Ghost inside, so you'll know what to do. (laughs) The whole difference between the wise man and the foolish man and the way they build their house is the wise man acts he does something with what god has said and i think that when isaiah came and and his his whole nation was a mess and all of a sudden isaiah 6 and he sees the lord he says something really bizarre in response to this vision of god the whole train has filled the temple And what does that mean? It's the robe. It's like, God, why'd you show him that? Do you remember the lady, the woman with the issue of blood that touched the hem of Jesus' garment? She was healed by reaching out and touching the hem. That's the train. That's the robe. God dropped the robe in the temple. I've never seen, I've read Scores of commentators. Nobody's ever said this. and so, I, so I'm just submitting this could be crazy. But what I felt the Lord was saying is, it's a picture of my hymn. I'm screaming, ask. Ask of me. We have not because we ask not. And I think we are looking on the appetizer side of the menu as opposed to the meal And I'm tired of reading the menu and going like, great, see you next week. We're supposed to be eating this stuff. We're supposed to be doing this stuff. It's supposed to be active and happening. And I think there's an invitation to ask. And Isaiah, his response, he says, woe is me, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, living in a land of unclean lips. And when I look at the last couple of weeks and you could stamp truth has stumbled in the streets. We got a lot of lying tongues. It's one of the things God hates. We got feet that run quick to evil. And as opposed to pointing the finger out there, I just invite you. I think God wants to do something with each and every one of us. Because He wants to rise and shine in here. And it it starts by letting that first wind come and blow through you. I don't know what it is. I don't know what your issue is. But judgment is a good thing. And so can we just pray? And I'm going to ask you, just in your own quiet, private heart, Invite God to search you and try you. And don't leave here without transacting something. The foolish people walk out. The wise people act upon what God says.